0: Hi everyone and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach Marina Pearson talk to transformational professionals, business owners and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now pre-order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more, and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.MarinaPearson.com order. And there you'll find all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order the book before the 10th of May. Today, I get to interview the beautiful Penny Power. Penny is the founder of Academy globally it was in 52 countries and they connected business people to one another using the power of blogging community events and the culture of friendship first sadly they shut their doors in 2012 however Penny being Penny then decided that she was going to start her dream of the business cafe a community of real cafes on all high streets that are for local business people to come relax gain emotional energy and support and gain the skills they need to grow in the digital economy so you can currently join the community at the business cafe global on Facebook she was also also awarded an OBE by the Queen and has recently written a book called Business is Personal, which is actually why I reached out to her as I was intrigued about what this book was all about. And then obviously, as I read it, I realized that this would be perfect for the podcast. So in her book, as well as in the podcast... She shares her journey of how, yes, she was doing really well, but then, all of a sudden, in two thousand in two thousand and seventeen or eighteen, she suddenly had hallucinations while she was at a workshop, and she knew that she needed to retire from business for a while to reevaluate and re-understand what was going on for her, and this is what birthed the book. So. I got curious about what the journey was like for her, what she's learned along the way. And really what I took from our conversation today was her taking back the power to not be under the influence of others and to really get clear and understand who's really driving the bus. Because often we can think that we are, but then we realize that we're saying yes to loads of things that actually aren't in service of us. So we talked about boundaries. We talked about how it's possible to be a mum in this day and age and actually have a business that's healthy for us. So we don't need to hustle. We don't need to push. And we can actually enjoy the journey. We talked about slowing down. And we talked about how critical that is to our mental health as well as our results. So if you're a mum that feels like she's pushing way too hard and feels like she doesn't have another option and is saying yes to everybody and putting herself last, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy. I'm super excited to have Penny Power on here today. I've known Penny for almost 10 years now, actually. I've known of you and we've met in our social circles or at least seminars and so forth and so on. And it's such a wonderful honor to have you on here today, Penny.
1: That's lovely of you to say that. It's very kind. I know those 10 years, they go very fast, don't they? I know. And so much has changed. Yeah. And I was really excited
0: because you've just... Uh, brought out a book about business as personal. And yep. seeing as this podcast is really about helping mums and women to come to a place of balance and joy in their lives with all the projects that they've got going on, but all the responsibilities that it is to be a mum. Mm-hmm. I know that the book you wrote was quite personal. So I'd love to sort of talk about that and love to sort of see what your insights have been, because I know that you've worked... And built businesses and and have been in that world for a long time. But also, you're really heart-centered. And I know that, you know, times I've seen you speak, just the way you speak about your kids and the way you are with them is just very heart-opening. So i 'm um, sure they're going to be gems in terms of your your insights into that, so where I would love to start is why the book? What was it about you know
1: the message why 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 did you decide it was important for others to know about this so that's sort of bringing us up to current day, so which is good, but I think a lot of this would be very useful if we did some reflection once i 've explained that on um on my my journey of motherhood and juggling motherhood with personal cool. ambitions. Um, and, and so that becomes very relevant when I say why I've created the book. So I'm 55 now. And I started my career at 19. So that's quite a long time to have been defining myself by my business success and by putting a huge amount of my mind and heart into my business. Mm. But my absolute number one value in my life is my skills and achievements as a mum. And I would say if I asked Thomas, my husband, what his was, he would say the same. I don't think that's the domain of just a mother to say that. Um, um, And the business's personal book that I wrote was, is really a reflection of all the things that I wish I had known when I started out in the journey of being a, an entrepreneurial mother, mm. um, with ambitions. Um, because I think sometimes we get sucked into a massive vortex of ambition and actually never really spend enough time thinking about, well, what is my version of ambition and my version of success and what are my values and belief systems and where do I want to take my life as a, as a person? And um, I got, you know, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur when I started Academy in 1998 when I was 33 and I had three young children under four and a half that took me on this unbelievable roller coaster journey that was uh, far bigger and far more demanding on me than I had realised it was going to be when I started out. So I never had time for self care and never had time for personal reflection. And then I built a personal brand that I started to live up to, but it was <laughs> but it was but it was created um, it was created despite me, not because of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I had a big shock in November uh, 2017, so 15, 16 months ago, that forced me to to take a step back and have a year where I did some personal reflection. And in that year, I chose to, uh, for the first time ever, to do a bit of self-care, but also to do a bit of um, support from psychologists and group therapy and meeting some phenomenal people that I've known in the academy network but never asked for help because one of the strengths of an entrepreneur is their independence, but one of their overdone strengths is their independence. (laughs) You know, they find it hard to ask for help. And I've always been fairly open about my vulnerabilities and my weaknesses and who I am but I actually never deep down really reached out for any help. I never really acknowledged that I needed help with anything. And um, so that's the journey of the book. Um, and the book is when I was going through therapy um, and a lot of it was about me, but me in the business world and um, where, how do I show up and how do I manage the the tough knocks and, and uh, the workload. I discovered things about myself my character, my personality, had I known it 20 odd years ago, I think I would have created a different experience for myself. So I thought, well, why haven't I got 5 million people in the room with me when I'm talking to this experienced psychologist? And in the end, by turning it into a book, I hope to reach a lot of people and help them to maybe um, take control of the journey more than I did. Would you be able to sharing what you did discover? Yeah, but it's a, that's a... That's a really big thing. I think the greatest thing I discovered is the importance of leading the life and business that you want. Uh, You know, I I think whether you are a self-employed person or you have ambitions to build a large organization. It is very easy to get up and perform a role of being a business person that never actually gives you the opportunity to say, but is this really what I want? Is this really delivering me joy, personal joy? And that's not about having your why I've always had my why, you know, the Simon Sinek, you know, I've, I've known my why since I was a child. I've always known what I wanted to give to the world, but it was more about what is my, what, you know, what, Gives me joy. What is the business model that would suit me? What are the people like that I want to surround myself with? What are the business models? Um, and we're now in a world of compare and despair where, whether we like it or not, the social media world is incredibly critical to us. And I obviously trailblaze that with Academy but we can no matter what our mood is whether it's good or bad we can go online and find ourselves looking at other people's lives and thinking well why aren't i doing that and why didn't i go to that event or why didn't i think of that idea or why didn't i apply for that award or and, and it can actually have an impact on our own beliefs around ourselves and our own self-worth hmm. and so i think it, you so what i really deeply learned was how how do i want to live the life that gives me joy and happiness and what are my values that will show up in that that will make me feel I'm in more control of my life and I use this theory on myself all the time Yeah, you know, I've got a 26 a year old daughter who's a phenomenal phenomenal mind phenomenal energy she's phenomenal and she'll be t- she'll tell me all the things I should be doing and I have to calm myself down to think yeah well Do I want to do those things, you know? And so when we take on business coaches or we set ourselves our goals, I don't think we often think about our own expectations of life and our own capabilities and our own resources and our own desires. So we just try to be too much. And that's when our limbic system gets overwhelmed. So from, I learned a lot about how the brain works, um, how we can get overwhelmed, how to protect myself, what true resilience is, um, and I just learned the life that I want to lead. And I learned that I was doing a lot of things right, but I realized that there were some tweaks that would make it better.
0: So, that was actually was going to be my next question, which was um, what are some of the things that you saw that you wanted to change that somehow you were living the life, but not quite what you wanted?
1: I think it was a lot of it was how much I pushed myself I had a ridiculous expectation of myself as a person I didn't know how to say no definitely someone that wants to help people and and I think that there is there's become this um very very dangerous uh form of marketing um or brand building that's taken place which is um can i pick your brains and have a coffee mm. Wow. Okay. So it's, it's, I don't know where it's come from, but, and I don't know whether how much of it has come down to imposter syndrome. If you're an accountant or a lawyer or a psychologist or somebody who has invested time, a doctor, a GP who's invested time in getting a qualification, those people would never have a coffee with someone and allow their brains to be picked for free. Mm. Right. But because there is a lot of people who have skills outside of their qualification, but they have life skills, they have an insight into something, they have the ability to do something for someone else, because they don't, they haven't shaped it with a qualification. When they're trying to build their brand and network, they spend a lot of time giving their time away free, speaking for free doing a lot of stuff free because they think it's about building my brand, but they forget that brand building is one thing. Marketing means it leads to a sale. And what I discovered about myself was I was giving far too much of myself for free, Mm -hmm. um, almost being a philanthropist in business. Mm -hmm. And I think when I've done a lot of studying um, of this subject, part of it comes down to your Mm self-worth and your self-esteem and how much you value yourself. And some of it comes down to the ability to actually say, no, I can't do that. And I, if, we, if we went into a coffee shop and asked how many people were in there having a coffee and were having their brains picked for free in <laughs> business, I think we'd find out that it was a huge amount. Um, and so... Um, I learned how to just treat myself better and value myself greater, so that if I valued myself, other people would value me. And there's a there's a chapter in my book called "Value Yourself, So Other People Will Value You." Mm. Um, and so, but once you make that decision in life, so I remember my psychologist saying to me, "Well, I charge 120 pounds an hour, and I dedicated seven years of my life to be able to help people, but I would never do it for free."
0: Mm.
1: It doesn't mean to say she's not a giver and a kind person and a skilled person, but she just wouldn't do it for free. So I, in the book, I, I take people on a journey of, you know, not being scared to have vulnerabilities and allowing yourself to break so that you can put your pieces back together. Mm. Um, Sometimes we've pushed ourselves so hard that we think we just need to keep pushing. So we've started climbing a mountain and we don't think we have the choice to sit on a ledge and relax on that mountain. We think we've just got to keep climbing that mountain and I learned that I was so hard on myself that all my life my first boss said to me um, penny i don 't need to manage you. you manage yourself harder than I could manage manage you um, and it was very true i think I, I think a lot of women we do we 're hard on ourselves and we feel we 've got a lot to prove all the time and i don 't know where that comes from, and you know I know that now with my belief systems and my upbringing and Um, how I felt about myself growing up, I always felt I needed to push more, push more to be loved or to be, to be acknowledged. Um, so we get these belief systems come deep, deep into ourselves, which you have to unravel those. Um, but I always believed, you know, I wake up in the morning and I've basically got to get into the fastest car, push down on the accelerator as hard as I can and climb the hardest mountain. I didn't ever think that I could slow my life down. And breathe because I thought that that would have an impact on my outcomes, on whether people respected, admired me, had the finances in my life. But actually what I've learned is if you slow down, you respect yourself, you calm things down Mm -hmm. and you choose the life you want to lead, the outcomes are actually greater.
0: Yeah. I so resonate with this. I was just writing down and I, if I of course nobody can hear my nodding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. It, I would be, you would be yeah. hearing my nodding. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, women that are listening to this totally resonate with this because I see yeah. this happening time and time again. We're not taught this. We're not, yeah. we're not taught to say it's okay to stop mm. and it's okay to chill and it's okay mm to just be, you know, I notice this when my clients, when they come here to my villa in Spain, which is it's all about unraveling that I have to be doing something. Mm. Well, who says, who says that, you mm. know, we're the ones kind of beating ourselves up and going actually yeah, a no. paradigm that I think doesn't work. It may have done in the industrial era, mm. <laughs> um, but maybe not even then. And so there is this sense of, maintenance of just, yeah. you know,
1: enjoying the moment. Just and calming I'm, things down. down. I mean, there's nothing worse than somebody saying I'm really busy. I think that I mean, nobody wants to work with someone who's really busy because they don't want to overwhelm them anymore. Um, and so I think, you know, learning, learning to calm it down. I mean, also, you know, if I was to get up every morning and go onto a treadmill and run at eight, you know, put my, put it on an incline of five degree or whatever it is and, and set the, t- the speed at eight, which you can do in a gym and did that for 14 hours. My muscles would be pretty bloody exhausted, mm-hmm. but we get out of bed and we put our brains into that gear and we never rest it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm a great advocator of have a duvet day if you need it. Um, but you know, mental fitness is very different to mental health. What I really learned was I I thought when this whole thing about mental health was coming on, I'd thinking, well, I'm very lucky I've never had depression. I'm very lucky I don't have anxiety. I'm very lucky I haven't got bipolar. I'm very lucky about all these things because I thought that mental health meant a lot of extreme things. Mm. But then I discovered it's actually mental fitness. You know, every day I get up and I brush my teeth so they don't fall out. Mm. And I go to the gym four times a week so that I stay fit and energetic and manage my cortisol levels and my adrenaline levels. What am I doing really to to rest my brain? And so, you know, then you see this birth of mindfulness and meditation. And I used to think, well, that's for the tree huggers and people that's got far (laughs) more time on my hands, their hands. But actually learning to still my brain for 10 minutes a day mm. is like getting off that treadmill and taking a drink in the gym and relaxing the, relaxing the muscles so that you can get back on and do another good job. Um, and so pace is very important. Um, and, you know, your children learn from you. I mean, I've now given birth to three highly disciplined, very loving, very sensitive people, but they are bloody hard on themselves. Mm. Um, because they've seen them, their parents be hard on themselves, um, and I'm now te- trying to teach them. And, and in fact, they're, they're, they're learning it faster than I did. Um, that life, you know, life is a long race, and if we don't treat ourselves well, um, it's going to be a shorter race.
0: Yeah, I I really resonate again again with this. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of nodding. Yeah, I I really resonate with this. What what occurred to me and what came to mind when you were talking was, I remember I had a coach and he used to coach um, the South African rugby team. Yeah. At the time he said to me, you know, they have to have a day of rest in order for them to perform really well. Yeah. And so where's your day of rest? And I was like, rest? What do you mean my day of rest? I don't have days of rest. That's a waste of my time. And he said, well, for them... To rest, it, their body needs to rest in order for them to be able to perform. And yeah. it just suddenly dawned on me that resting is actually a really valuable—it's—it's it's, it's invaluable. In fact,
1: it's um, very important. The other thing is that you know who really identifying with who you deeply are is very important. I—I you know, I, I coached a 31-year-old guy who was extremely depressed. He had two children. He had a couple of holidays a year. He was going to have paid off his mortgage by the time he was 40. He employed 15 staff and he was depressed. And when we sat down, we discovered what his expectations were in life. And he said, when I've grown up with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, so I don't think I'm a successful business person unless I'm mega. (laughs) He had set himself a very unrealistic set of expectations about his ambition. And I think we all really need to deeply understand our level of ambition and what is within our ability to achieve and also how much are we willing to sacrifice for that. Mm. And um, it was only a two-hour session, and he went away much happier because actually he just redefined what success and ambition meant to him as a person. Mm. And you know, I when I think of it. You know, I, I had ambitions around the type of family life I wanted to achieve, the way I wanted to educate my children, um, the love that I wanted them to experience. And when I reflect on 25 years with them as my core family time, I achieved all that. But maybe I didn't achieve all the financial ambitions and all the things I wanted to achieve, but I achieved the most important part. And Now at 55, I can. they're all independent, strong, happy people, now maybe I can get to the next level myself because I've hopefully got another 20 years in me. Uh, You know, life can be in sections. It doesn't all have to happen at one time. Mm. Um, But one of the things that I really think going back in time that was really important, and I think a lot of people don't do this, is that I had a really deep sense of who I was as a person and who I was willing to be. And I've always been me. And I had this moment when my daughter was five, so I had um, I had her, a three-year-old and a six-month-old, and we piled into the car, Ross and I, to go and collect Hannah from school, arrived at the school gate, all the mums there and all these little bubbly babies, little children came running out the door, carrying their new reading book their Biff and Chip book, you know, and all parents look across and see, well, is my kid on the same reading level as <laughs> yours? And all that hellish stuff that goes on. And this little glowing she had little curly locks, Hannah, was running towards me and my phone went off and it was a really important client. And I knew that I needed to answer it and say to them, can I ring you in half an hour? So as she was running towards me, I answered, I said, I'm really sorry. I'm at Waterloo Station and I, it's too busy. I can't speak to you at the moment. Can I ring you in half an hour? Put the phone down, cuddled Hannah, chatted to her about a book, bundled them all back in the car, raced back along the road to get to the home to be able to settle them and put, made this phone call. And as I was driving, and I can remember the exact point I was driving past. It was past the riding stage, uh, studio. I thought, why did I pretend that I was at Waterloo Station and not say to that person, just picking my daughter up from school, really important to me. I'll ring you later. Or even, why did I even answer it? So why did I lie that I was working in London when actually I was picking up my daughter? And that was the biggest moment for me in saying to myself, I'm never going to lie about who I am. I'm a working mother. I adore my children. And I'm only going to work with people who accept me for who I am and accept the life that's important to me. And it was a really big, important moment to me. So when I started the academy, about six months after that, I put a CEO in place as, to run the business because I knew that I couldn't be the CEO of this organization because it, I wouldn't be able to put my children first if I was. And I think that we have to know what our own limitations are and how much we're willing to sacrifice and what we're willing to sacrifice in our ambitions and live by the values we've had. And from I have always known as a mum that my default position would be my children. So whenever I was in a situation where do I go to the nativity play or do I go and pitch to that client that I was trying to get for the last eight months and they finally give me a date, it would be an absolute no-brainer. I would always default to the nativity. I just created the default position of my family first, always. And then that stopped that horrible head fuck of, (laughs) of what should I do? And I never, ever will regret that. That's so so
0: beautiful because what I hear in that is you got clarity on what was important to you right Absolutely. from. And often I see mums running around because they're not clear, or at least they haven't made it clear of themselves what they're going to prioritize first yeah. and what their lifestyle is going to look like. Yeah, and then possibly actually have their business and their work support that. But they exactly. run a fear of. They run in fear of, you know, losing that client or their, you know, boss um, basically, you know, saying, no, you're not going to have that job or yep, yep. they run in fear of that. And, you know, when we're really clear on what it is that we stand for, it makes it so much easier to make decisions, um, but also to be able to
1: actually be true to what we stand for. Absolutely. There's something somebody said to me years ago, and I put it in my book about, I think ultimately we all seek happiness. I mean, I never expect every day to be happy. I never expect every moment in my life to be happy. That would be the wrong expectation and belief system. But I do believe whatever happens, I can return to happiness. And this guy told me that he had watched a documentary on happiness and it was a huge research study had been done between governments and everything. And one of the things that was the takeaway from it was that if you imagine happiness is in three parts of you, so you've got hundred percent happiness, 50% of it is your constitution. Are you naturally a happy person? And if you're not naturally happy, then probably you need to start looking into that and realizing why have you grown up or deeply unhappy? Um, because that's your constitution. And if you can say to yourself, yeah. I think my default is to be happy. That's good. And that's 50% of the way there. 10% is the achievement of the things we want in life. So, you know, I really want a ball gown for this thing I'm going to on Saturday night. I really want a family holiday. As Soon as you've got it and had it and consumed it, there's always going to be another thing you want. And therefore, you've got to assume that ten percent is always going to be moving, and that's why we progress as a civilization. That's why we progress and innovate as individuals and as a nations. The forty percent of happiness is made up of how much control you feel you have over your life, and the moment when you're overwhelmed is when you lose control. And when you look at that scientifically, um, some people will have heard of you've got a system one and system two brain. Um, System one brain. Actually, can manage two to three million things at any one time. So that's the part of your brain that manages all your belief systems, your values, your subconscious thinking, helps you breathe, blink, twitch your fingernails, whatever. It's all the things that just go on. Your system two brain is the part of your brain that's your conscious part of your brain, your logical thinking, your reasoning. the um, the part that you have that is most exhausting, and you can only cope with seven to eight things in system two brain. Uh, Fighter pilots tested for up to nine things. So when we overload our system two brain, when we're overwhelmed, that is when we snap. That's when we go out of control. That's when our life no longer feels in control because we're just overloading it and trying to achieve too much. Um, and I think that's what mums can do. They're trying to please, so many people achieve so many things, think through so many things. We have to really be careful that we don't overload that part of our brain. Um, Because if we do, we lose control. And that's what takes away our happiness and joy.
0: Which is, I guess, why I've recently heard this new term called the mental mother load. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. It's kind of been, I've seen it show up in social media areas and so forth. And they talk about it, which is um, the amount of mental stuff we carry yep. and 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 something that that sort of um jumped out at me when you said, you know we can always return to happiness. There was a quote I saw six years ago now, which made such a profound difference to me um, and has been doing so ever since, and it was by the Scottish welder called Sydney Banks. And he had a bit of an epiphany. And his epiphany was thought creates everything. So he thought he was deeply insecure. And what he heard and what someone said at a workshop that he was at was that you just think you are. And so he went on to, um, he basically turned into, from a Scottish welder, into a workshop leader that was sharing this message around the world. I think, I guess, in the last 10 years or 15 years of his life. And he impacted a lot of people. And one of the quotes that I heard, that I saw on Facebook six years ago now, was something along the lines of, and in this game of life, we all search for ourselves. And when I say self, I'm talking about the inner self, the very thing that created life in the first place. Mm Mm-hmm. So, if you're looking for happiness, if you're looking for tranquility, if you're looking just to have a loving and peaceful life, what you're really searching for is yourself. And what I heard in that was that actually there is a true self. And when you said return back to happiness, Mm -hmm. what came to mind was that true self is happiness. Mm
1: -hmm. It
0: just gets clouded by thinking um, from time to time. And I then saw something really valuable in that, which was, oh my God, I'm not striving for having more clients. I'm not striving for this success that I think exists in the future. What I'm actually searching for is this peace and stillness that's actually already inside of me. And that made such a huge difference because what happened was, is this need to achieve, this, this neediness around it, Like this neediness to like be the success all dropped away. And this has been a massive journey for me too. And what I'm hearing you say is of uncoupling my my sense of self, that sort of sense of happiness and joy with the outcomes of my life, because they're completely separate, So it's not that there isn't things that I want to create in the world, but the relationship to those things that can be created mm-hmm. can be done in such a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I heard and what he said. And yeah. So I just kind of, when you said return to happiness, mm-hmm. I love that because what I heard you say is that it's coming back to the innate happiness we actually all have inside.
1: Yeah. And and whatever it is that's made you unhappy, solve it. You know, take control of it and solve it, and then happiness will return. Don't necessarily put up with things that are making you unhappy. So that includes, you know, choosing what clients you work with, firing clients that 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 have taken control and are demanding more of you than than is fair. Um, choosing suppliers wisely that have integrity. Um, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people, this, this sort of energy that you want, you take control of every aspect of your life so that you can, so that it works for you, you know, and take control of your own form of ambition and expectations uh, if they're not realistic. So, you know, as I say, you can't always be happy challenges as adversity happens and, and, and embrace that adversity because it will make you stronger and less smug. I can't bear smug people. <laughs> I can't bear it. I can't bear people. Who That's how we, how you really feel, Penny. I know. I just can't. I can't. I, I, it's really interesting. I've launched this mastermind group and I'm going to work with uh, teams of 12 people and um, really support them through a journey of, of their business uh, through my connections, my skills and the shared knowledge and connections and skills of the people in the room. And I've interviewed 46 people for this. Wow. and. When I get on a phone call with someone who's smug, I immediately switch off you know it, it's um it's um, It's really horrible, and so smug people make you feel small you know and there's a lot of that in on the internet where people are just showing their shiny side and using marketing techniques just make you feel you lack mm. Um, and therefore, you know, you can be more successful, be like me, you can be more successful, you can be happy, you can be more beautiful. What they're basically saying is you're not successful enough, you're not happy enough and you're not beautiful enough. And therefore avoid, avoid that form, you know, focus on people that are going to give you the skills that you need, but don't ever spend time with people that make you lack. Hmm. Um, yeah, so, uh, It, it sounds like discernment is a
0: really key part of this. And something that I wanted to ask you was if someone's listening in and they're going, okay, that's a great penny. Like, but how, like I, I I've never been able to do it. I am <laughs> running ragged right now. I am saying yes to everything. I'm so scared that I will lose those clients. Like what a, you know, or that somehow I'm going to piss someone off or I'm going to rock the boat. And I don't know if I could live with that. So what are some of the things that you've seen that have really helped you or insights that you've had that, that you might be able to share?
1: I, I think, if, first of all, you need to have a lot of self-awareness and you need to take yourself away into a quiet corner of a coffee shop or at the bottom of your garden or somewhere without your phone and really do some deep self-analysis. And that's not a spiritual stuff. That is about really being honest with yourself about what's happening in your life and where do you feel out of control with it and what do you want out of your life? I mean, really start with that and then write a list of all the things that aren't quite sinking right. Now, it might be that you need more skills. It might be that you need to have more confidence in yourself. There's a lot of unpacking and, and, and therefore, sometimes you need a sounding board. You need a good person to talk that through with and I avoided that for a long time. I didn't think A, I could afford it or B, I didn't, couldn't afford the time or C, I thought it would be too indulgent or I didn't want to show my vulnerabilities. Whatever it is that's holding you back, but it is important to be able to talk things through with somebody else because clarity you get when somebody asks you questions, you know, why aren't you taking control of that? Why are you still letting that person make you feel that way? Or why are you expecting that of yourself it can really help you to hone it in. I think ask yourself, first of all, is it working for me? Is life working for me as I want it to at the moment? And if it isn't, then start unpacking it, really deeply unpacking what can you do? Because you can. All, everybody can get control of their life and, and find a better way for themselves. Um, and, you know, there's this thing, positive surrender, which I really liked. I, I read about it years and years and years ago. And you read this stuff and then it's not until it's time in your life that it comes true. So somebody will hear stuff now and it might be 10 years forward. They'll think, oh yeah, Penny mentioned positive surrender. We, it's important that we get to a stage in our lives where we identify things that aren't working. And if we can't change things and we're the only thing we can do we to change, because I can't, you can't necessarily, I had some investors in my second business. I was never going to change the way they treated me. They were the wrong people to have got into my life and the only way that i could get out of that situation was to positively surrender and i went to them one day and i said can we sell this business because i can't work with you any longer and we sold the business much earlier than we should have in terms of financial fulfillment yeah. but i got back control of my life because i was never and i had to positively surrender and accept that i had made a mistake 4 years earlier by getting them to come into my life and yes that meant i slipped further down the mountain of what i wanted to achieve in my life but I went down to the bottom of the mountain and I started climbing again, but at least I climbed a mountain that had a bit of a nicer view than the one that I was on <laughs> before. Um,
0: yeah. yeah. And also I guess what I really heard in that too was that you made the decision and that must've been really kind of cool, like to go, no, this isn't working for me. Um, and I guess there might've
1: been something once, you learned yeah. in that too. Uh, once you take control, you start then working out the journey. It took me three, it took me, Thirteen months to exit,
0: mm.
1: but from the moment that I took control, <laughs> I was back to happiness because <laughs> I knew where I was heading, um, and that's really important. We don't have to put up with things. No,
0: you don't. I love that. You really don't. And who said who said that we needed to anyway in the first yeah.
1: place? Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, I've heard you use this word control and I just wanted to clarify what that actually means for anybody that might be questioning the word because it might control to you might mean something different to someone else.
1: To, to me, it's the feeling that I'm, the things that are happening into my life are my choice. Great. Thank uh, you. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. It's, um, you know, have have I put that, that that appointment in my diary? And is it gonna is it my choice to do that, or have I been bullied into it, or have I just been too unable to say no? Um, you know, everything that we do should should to a certain extent be our choice. I mean, you know, it wasn't my choice for my mum to get dementia. It wasn't my choice for grief to happen in our lives that happened in our family. Some things are out of our control. Um, and we have to acknowledge them, accept them and um, work with those things that are painful in our lives where we are. But, you know, if there's something big happening in our lives, that's, then we have to think about how do we manage the stuff that aren't as big as that? Where do we prioritize our time? Because we have only got a certain amount of capacity. And um, if if you... Expect too much for yourself, nobody wins everybody everybody feels the pain because you can't hide stress from others if you're, if you're overstretched, your spouse, your children, your loved ones, and your clients will all notice it
0: yeah, and you know it's, it goes back to I always use the analogy of um, put your um, oxygen mar- mask on first
1: no but it, it's, it's true it's just you have to get to a point in your life when you realize that was important. Mm-hmm. And you realize what that actually means. You know, we can all hear, we can see streams of stuff coming through on Instagram and then just sometimes they trigger, oh, that means something to me today.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's really true. So um, with this newfound awareness that you have around yourself and your life and and what you've learned along the journey, um, what I've heard you say, is there anything about the boundaries? That's been a really big one for you. Um, has there anything else aside from the boundaries that, that you're now
1: kind of going, yeah, I'm, that feels good for me right now? Um, I think it's understanding the difference between being a small business and being an entrepreneur. So hmm. um, if we look at at our business life, sometimes, so I think there's an overuse of the word entrepreneur, okay? And this is my opinion, so people can choose to agree with it or not. Um, to me, an entrepreneur is doing things that are very different, are, are taking strides that have impact and make do things differently and are creating something, almost like an alchemist from nothing. So uh, when I built Academy, I was an entrepreneur. When I built Digital Youth Academy, I was being an entrepreneur, innovating. Uh, when I have my dream of the business cafe, I'm being an entrepreneur. When I'm being a small business person, I'm delivering services and products to people that I get paid for them. Mm. So often with when you're being an entrepreneur, you're deferring the gratification, you're building an asset, you're building something for the future. When I'm being a small business person, I'm selling a book or I'm selling coaching or I'm selling time with me in a mastermind or I'm being a speaker. And I raise an invoice And that invoice goes out and that person owes me some money. And the exchange of my time and my energy is exchanged for their money, which is their energy. They've created that money. And there's a real mutual energy exchange. To me, that doesn't take as much mental energy As being an entrepreneur, because being an entrepreneur for me is I'm constantly putting in and I'm not getting the instant gratification or the validation that that idea is giving me anything back. And I switch, I have two energy levels that I switch between. I switch between my mind and my heart, and I know when I'm shifting between using my mind and my heart. And I switch also, am I in small business mode where I expect to be paid, or am I in entrepreneur mode where I realize I'm researching or developing or building something where that's for the future.
0: I love and, that and distinction. That, I'd never heard that before. And mm. yeah, it totally makes sense because most yeah. entrepreneurs are actually <laughs> small business owners. Um and they think they're entrepreneurs. But I love I love that. I love that distinction. So thank you. I'm gonna be yeah. a little bit more aware of that for myself. So Penny, think, thank you.
1: Yes. You well, know, I was just gonna say think about what mood you are when you wake up and just think about what energy you need for mm-hmm. that day. Yeah, yeah, I will. <laughs> you know, when I wake up, I think, do I, am I about, like yesterday, I had five appointments and it was all across different appointments across London. So that day was a high energy day. So when I did my yoga, um, my downward dog uh, yoga movements, I did them fast paced mm. and I always do six repetitions. Today I woke up and I knew I had two podcasts. I had some proposals to get up. I'm sitting at my desk all day. And I knew I could pace myself differently, mm. and therefore my yoga movements this morning were still six, but they were slower. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna really sort of take that away. So, um, if anybody that's been listening to this wants to contact you, um, how can they do that? When they want, or they want to get their hands on
1: your amazing book, how can they do that? On oh, my book? Well, I've recorded my book on audio as well as print, as well as ebook. So, which was quite a hard job to go into a studio and record it. But interestingly, anybody who is an author, I would recommend you do that because I think I'm selling more audio than I am print. Interesting. Yep. Which is very interesting. And actually quite interestingly, the audio people say, oh, I I downloaded your book and listened to it as an audio, but I've now ordered it as a print book huh so you get double found a little bit of an insight <laughs> yeah and it co- just so people know because it's quite an interesting thing it cost me about two thousand pounds to do the audio recording oh. <laughs> yeah a lot of money but you know i think it's really worthwhile so that's going into a sound studio and using a proper sound engineer how exciting um that's a bit of an insight. So my book is available on Amazon, and it's a lot cheaper on Amazon than it is on my website. So my website is retail price of fourteen ninety nine, and on Amazon you can get it for nine pounds something. <laughs> And that's because Amazon set the price, so they don't change the amount that the author gets. But they choose if it's going to be a volume book, they they tend to reduce the price. And I've got my website, PennyPower.co.uk, and people are ordering my book on there because I can send a signed version, which is quite nice. And uh, there is a, a ways to find out about coaching and the mastermind and and stuff, and my blog. Um, so that's PennyPower.co.uk, and then I've got my Twitter, which is at PennyPower. Uh, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. You are,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Penny. It's been such a divine time and space to share this with you. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure that everybody else that's been listening has got as much out of it as I have. So
1: until the next yeah. time. Thank you. Brilliant questions. I really enjoyed it. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.
0: And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinaperson.com slash chapter where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mums. And if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book, then you can do that too at www.marinaperson.com slash pre There you'll find a page with all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order it before the 10th of May. So until next week's episode, remember you are the joy you seek.